And welcome back to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Tom McGovern. And I'm Dr. Chris Stroud, where we and our guests discuss relevant health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. And today we continue with the third of our shows dedicated to Respect Life Month of October. Today we'll have two guests in studio and one by phone. In studio, our guests who will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network will be Bobby Williams and Jenny Hunsberger of the Women's Care Center Network of Crisis Pregnancy Centers. We'll then have a bonus interview about baby boxes. And no, these are not little itsy-bitsy boxes for tiny little presents. Tom, I don't think we've ever had a bonus interview. Oh, well, then let's enjoy it to the max today, Chris. But before we get started with our amazing guest, we'll talk about a couple of uh, things to get us set up and warmed up, you might say. And Chris is full of relevant and fascinating information, aren't you, Chris? I'm not sure that's been said before, <laughs> but perhaps. No, we're, you know, we're talking about Respect Life Month. In uh, tonight's show, uh, we've got some really amazing guests that are doing amazing work. And it just gave me a chance to reflect on some of the patients that I get to see in my everyday life that are there because of pregnancy crisis centers. Ah, so we're going to talk about the first part of the story in the next segment, but you're going to give us some of the follow-up. What happens to some of these women when they choose to carry their babies to term? Yeah, it's remarkable. And some listeners might think, well, duh, we know what happens when they choose to carry their babies. (laughs) They go on and have their babies. But uh, I think it's fair to say, and I'll bet we get into it with our guests later, that a lot of the women that find themselves in this position, they don't have simple lives. And I like to always say, women never choose abortion. It chooses them. And so in many cases, they felt as though they had no alternative. It was the only logical alternative for them. And you can just imagine, if you don't already know people in that situation, that they can be in some pretty terrible circumstances. So whether it's poverty, lack of education, lack of support, really a sense of just not knowing what to do, these young women and old women alike can find themselves in, in, a, in a terrible circumstance. So we get a chance to see them when they've made a decision for life, which is great, but that's not the end. Uh, and one of the great things about Women's Care Center that I know we'll get to talk about is they know that's not the end either. And I think sometimes uh, we are accused in the pro-life community of, well, all you care about is the babies, and then after they're born, you don't care anymore about it. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. Maybe we're guilty of not talking enough about what we really care about, uh, but it's not the truth, not not at all, as I think as I think we'll see. But we get a chance to see young women choose life, carry their babies to term, and then we get to see them back afterwards. And I can't tell you how many times I've had just gut-wrenching, heart-breaking stories where women will say, thank you for saving my baby. I didn't know that this, was the, this is how it could work. Thank you. Uh, the other thing that's pretty neat is occasionally we get to see someone that chose adoption as their method of choosing life. We don't hear a great deal about that. Sadly, I wish we heard a lot more about it. You know, I'm an adoptive parent, and we may get a chance to hear more about that later tonight as well. But sometimes we get a chance to see needing families and moms who chose adoption as a way to, to solve this dilemma that was life-affirming and life-saving. So what things do you think listeners don't know about that happens after the birth, or even during the prenatal care of these women who have chosen life when it was an unknown quantity, whether they would or not for a while. Yeah, you know, I I think if if there's a single answer to that, it is that things are never as dark as they seem in the midst of the storm, right? I mean, one of the things that, that I always think of that's different in the way we think and the way our God thinks is he has a different sense of time and perspective. And when you're talking to a woman in crisis, she thinks her world has come apart and there is no way out. And what we get a chance to see is that once she gets through that storm and carries her baby to term and now is holding her baby, the world seems a lot different. And what was impossible before is very possible today. So these women, when they're looking backwards at their low point, do they have a hard time believing that's 
the way they really thought at yes. that time? I would say uniformly. Moms that choose life, when they look back and think, how could I even have entertained? How could it have been so bad and so dark that I let someone convince me? Because often, and sadly, women that are contemplating abortion, they're being sold that by someone else or by another group of people, uh, whether it's uh, the father of the baby or a family member or some not necessarily well, well-informed, well-intentioned individual that's convincing them that this is the right way to go, um, they don't realize that it isn't until further down the road when they look back <laughs> at that journey and realize, wow, I can't believe I came that close to doing something so horrible. Ah, well, I, I'm so glad there's doctors like you to come pick up these women who, who need to be continually picked up and supported. Well, I'm glad I get a chance to participate. It's a blast. It never gets old. We don't win every discussion, but when we do win one, it's a victory that there's nothing sweeter. Well, Chris, let's move on. We'll cut short this segment so we get more time with our guests. But first, I will pose our medical trivia question of the day. You know, there for a second when you said move on, people probably thought you were going to skip the trivia question. I would never do that. They're probably swerving off the road nationally right now. (laughs) I I hope not. I don't want to be a cause of, of accidents. So today's question dealing with this topic is, if a doctor tells a pregnant woman that her baby is measuring a size that fits 14 weeks gestational age, how long ago did conception of that baby most likely occurred. This confused me for ages in medical school and internship and thereafter. So I have a great story to help with this one. I can't wait to hear it. I'm sure it'll be amazing. We'll be back with more on Dr. Doctor here from the studios of Redeemer Radio. You're back listening to Dr. Doctor from the studios of Redeemer Radio. And Tom, I have the pleasure of introducing our guest tonight which is always fun to do. We have two amazing guests, Bobby Williams and Jenny Hunsberger from the Women's Care Center. And uh, some of our listeners may not be fortunate enough to live in the 11 states where there are women's care centers, but they're going to know a lot more about it by the time we finish this segment of our show. So instead of me telling a lot of great things about these great people, I think we'll spend our time letting them tell great things about what they do. But uh, welcome to Dr. Dr. Jenny and Bobby. Yep. Thank Bo- you. Bo- Thank you. Bobby, you're the foundation director. And Jenny, you've got 20-plus years' experience counseling women and working in these centers. And you're kind of Bobby's right-hand woman in this venture, or he's your right-hand man. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how this works. But <laughs> could you start off, listeners love stories. What is a story you would like to share that set the tone for what Women's Care Center is? Well, I thought that I would share a story about a client who was in at the center recently. Her name is Rhiannon. And... She came to us just after she ran a pregnancy test at home. She ran the test and she thought, no way. I'm not doing this. This is not going to happen. She has a you know, full-time job. She's a librarian. She has a couple kids at home. And she thought, no, 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 no. Um, and she made two phone calls. The first phone call was to Planned Parenthood. And they said that they could get her in in a week. The second phone call was to Women's Care Center, and we said, we can get you in right now. So she came to the care center, and she was absolutely positive about her decision. She was positive she was going to have an abortion. She sat down with our counselor, and our counselor, very lovingly, without judgment at all, just simply told her about procedures, told her about her options, told her that she had the option that she had the opportunity to parent if she wanted to. And that had never occurred to her. The next day, she came back into the care center for an ultrasound. And and in that ultrasound, she saw her daughter. She said, I saw the top of her head and I knew right then (laughs) that I wanted this baby. So that's a question I have. I mean, the medical advance of the ultrasound machine, Mm -hmm. what impact has that had on the pro-life movement to save babies? I would say ultrasound is an absolutely incredible tool for us. The first piece of our work, the really, the, the foundational piece of the work is our counseling program, which is non-judgmental and and really means seeing the person in front of you 
through eyes of compassion and with love and without judgment. And helping her to see the goodness in herself, to see that she has dignity, that she has worth, that she has value and strength. And then she begins to make decisions about the pregnancy rooted in that. So, so the next piece is the ultrasound. Imagine what it's like to, to go from, Dr. Stroud, as you talk about um, feeling like you have no options, mm. that, you have, that you're pressured, that, you have, that this is impossible. Life is over. Life is over. <laughs> Everything is ruined to being reminded of your dignity, to being reminded of your strength, and, and to think of yourself through those eyes, and then to have this unbelievable window to be able to see your baby on an ultrasound machine, to, to hear that heartbeat, it's, it's life-changing, it's transformative. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. No one could, I don't think, now I, obviously I have my own biases, but I don't think it's possible to view an ultrasound and say, well, this is a clump of tissue that has the potential to become <laughs> human, like our detractors might say. I mean, you said see your baby, and that's exactly what they get to see. I mean, you know, we talk in medicine in both my specialty and Tom's specialty about informed consent. Can a patient really give their consent for something if they don't fully understand? Because informed consent without knowledge is really coercion. And the ultrasound, it seems in my mind, is the great equalizer. It actually lets a woman see what's going on. It's no longer theoretical. It's no longer, you know, some abstract idea. It's, as you said, it's a baby inside you. We get a window uh, to take a peek well, at And it. that's exactly what my favorite living author says, Dr. Peter Kraft, says that if wombs had windows, abortions would end. And ultrasound is giving a window to the womb. Bobby, can you give us a little background on when the first Women Care Center was founded and briefly how it spread through the years? Sure. Well, it was back in 1984. There was a young theology professor at the University of Notre Dame, Dr. Janet Smith, and she was approached by one of her young students who found herself unexpectedly pregnant. Uh, this young lady was scared and afraid and not knowing what to do. Um, the man who made a baby with her really wasn't that supportive of the pregnancy. And so here was this young lady going to Dr. Smith saying, I need help. Well, Dr. Smith kind of surveyed the local landscape, which we call Michiana, and noticed that although there were multiple agencies that would help a woman terminate a pregnancy, mm. namely Planned Parenthood and a local abortionist, there was no agency that was helping a young mother who was bravely trying to choose life. No agency existed wow. to help a young mother, not only for the nine months before birth, but for sometimes years after the birth of the child to create a strong, self-sufficient, empowered young mother. So Janet was a real go-getter, and she raised about $30,000, and she did something that was revolutionary at the time, was she purchased a little blue house right next oh, door yes. to the neighborhood abortion clinic. <laughs> now that first year, it was in the spring of 1984, they, they served about 300 women. Now, now soon thereafter, Janet passed the reins over to uh, me and Jenny's partner, Ann Mannion, who's a former uh, CPA at Price Waterhouse, and she served as our volunteer president ever since. So we always like to say- 35 years that's right. volunteer president. That's right. So, so we life. like to say that it is a ministry that's run like a business, and I think that's what's <laughs> led to our success. But the bottom line is, and I'm a bottom line guy because I'm kind of the professional beggar in the organization, <laughs> the first year we saw 300 women. We now, through 32 locations in 11 states- we will see over 30,000 women this year uh, who will make over 100,000 visits. We went from seeing 300 women the first year, we now see close to 450 women every day. So we are very, very blessed to love and serve the women and children of many states. Now, we're not about to let you not tell your own story because that would be bad hosting. But you had another life, you had another job, you had a family, and then you came home one day and said, I think I'm going to be a fundraiser for Women's Care Center. you got to tell us about that. Well, yeah, it, it was not as simple as that, but it was um, – <laughs> Not I, radio uh, it is. <laughs> I actually went uh, – I had my own business uh, for 10 years, and it did fairly well. I guess you could call it dumb luck. And then I actually went on a Marian uh, pilgrimage to Medjugorje, mm. and I think Our Lady was calling me to do something more than just – you know, make money and sell chain link fencing. And so when I came back, I told my <laughs> wife, I'm like, 
I know this sounds crazy, but I really think I'm called to do something different. Well, not really knowing what it was, my wife is very faithful. She's a three rosary a day woman. And she said, well, <laughs> I'm just going to keep praying until the answer kind of presents itself. And so she asked me one night, she's like, well, why don't you do your dream job? And I'm like, well, you know, Notre Dame football already has a coach <laughs> and the Cubs already have a manager. So beyond that, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, what have you always said you do You'd when you'd win the lottery? And I had this running joke around my family that when, when and if I win the Powerball, and of course I still faithfully buy tickets, <laughs> I would want to spend the rest of my life serving the Women's Care Center because there is no pro-life organization in this country's history that has done more in a results-driven manner than to help women choosing life than the Women's Care Center. So I sold my company and took the proceeds of the sale and started this little foundation to uh, support the Care Center. And of course, the rest has been history just by God's grace and and by our wonderful counselors and nurses, and especially with, with the leadership of Ann Mannion and Jenny Hunsberger, we have grown to become the largest pregnancy center in the country. So, so what states are you currently in? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I wrote it down on a piece of paper here. Uh, we are in Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Florida, and Maryland, with presently working with groups in Nebraska and Texas and Arizona. So uh, by God's grace, uh, we continue to grow. Well, metastasizing in a good way. Uh, that's right. That's Says right. the cancer surgeon. Yes. Yeah, but we, but uh, fortunately, we're broadcast on the EWTN radio network, and so we should have listeners in all of those states that if you're not involved with the Women's Care Center and you, you haven't had a chance before today to hear about it, you need to get involved because they're changing lives and, and saving babies in ways that, as you point out, no, nobody else has or is. Uh, it's just wonderful work. Jenny, when... When women discover you and come into a clinic, what percentage of them would you say are abortion-minded when they first come in? I would say that that about a third of the clients who walk in are actively pursuing an abortion plan. Now, are they and coming in to see you because of what the other side says, because we're deceiving them about the true uh, goals of the Women's Care Center? We we don't deceive anybody. <laughs> and and our work, it couldn't possibly happen if it started with deception. Uh, well said. So it is. this is about a relationship. This is about trust. This is about seeing dignity and, and finding hope. The, and the deception I'm talking about is they say that we're deceptive in that we present all options at these. And they're saying, well, you don't consider abortion as an option. So do the women ever come in thinking that you offer abortion as an option? The women who come to us know exactly what we Good. do. Good, even if they're abortion-minded. Sure, and if they, they, if they happen to come in and they don't know what we do, we tell them what sure. we do. Good. This is very good. The, the truth is always the right answer. Yeah, but it's complicated, uh, or it's not complicated, or at least it shouldn't be, but the truth Yes, it makes you free. It also makes you informed <laughs> mm -hmm. because the truth is the woman that's across the table from your counselor has a baby inside of her. It's very small and it's young, right. but it's a baby. And it was a baby the minute that it started. It right. was a baby. And that's the truth. That's not theological truth. That's biological truth. But it's hard to get that truth outside of places like the Women's Care Center. And I think that's part of what's so unique. Tom, I have to think about one of our other guests that we were talking about, uh, Clarity and Charity. Yes. You know, when, when I think about that, that's what Women's Care Center counselors do. They, through love, tell people what's happening to them mm -hmm. and what their options are. But the emphasis is on love and the right. absence of judgment, like you said. Right. Wow. Now, when those women come through the door... You know, the other side will say that, oh, like Chris said, it's a potential human being. How many women that come in of the abortion-minded really don't believe that's a human baby? Is that really an issue or is that a, a, quote, straw man kind of argument? I would say that, that women who are facing an unplanned pregnancy, women who are facing crisis, have a very hard time sometimes recognizing their own humanity, their uh -huh. own dignity. Very good. And, and when you're in that state of crisis, it can be very hard to be open to any other person. So a big part of the work that we do 
is to help her slow down, take time, and really think about where she is and what she wants and, and what options are available to her, what barriers she has, and how can we help her overcome those barriers to life. And, and when she sees that, when she has that vision, then overwhelmingly, she makes a decision for life. She chooses life because finally it's, it's an option that's available to her that she, she maybe didn't even know that she had. You know, one of the favorite books I've read and listened to this year deals with a topic you'd think would be crazy uh, on negotiation, uh, which is really communication with results, which is what you're after. But the number one first rule that this international hostage negotiator said they always have to employ is exactly what you just described. It's three words, slow it down. Because mm. once you can slow down the frenetic need for a decision to look at it rationally, then good things happen. So you are already doing the first piece of the advice in this incredible book. So it's really good to see that it works in, in life-changing and life-saving uh, work like yours. Well, you could argue you're doing your own hostage negotiation there when you do that because Ooh, there is, there is good, a hostage. Good <laughs> there is point. A, there is a child that's being held captive that needs, well, a, and yeah, the needs an advocate. The subtitle is negotiating as if uh, your life depended on it. And you are <laughs> negotiating because someone's life does depend on it. Well, well done. <laughs> What's it, what, if you had to say um, if there's a common story or maybe story is not the right word but theme – that a counselor or women's care center would encounter in young women, what would that theme be? You mean like what obstacles she faces or yeah, what, yeah, why there, is this so challenging? If there are common threads that are running through uh, women's lives that you hear time and again, what would you say those are? I would say that, that some are practical, and but, but more often the core is what you spoke of earlier, that it's, it's relationships, it's it's feeling supported and and loved and um, and and really recognizing your own your own dignity and your own value and and the ability to to make a long choice but it's it's being supported it's 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 really knowing what what love looks like and feels like what it means to be heard mm. all of those all of those things but but the amazing thing is that with when that happens when a woman feels heard and understood then and can tell her story and knows that the person across from her sees goodness in her then she so overwhelmingly it's just it's just an absolutely fantastic place to be full of joy and hope you w maybe you wouldn't think that in all of these conversations that we have all the time would you think that that this conversation is marked by hope and joy no i think most listeners would say that must just be a terrible job that you have you're getting beaten up by the day. But uh, just watching your face as it begins hmm. to glow, I get a sense that it's a pretty great job. It's a pretty great job. <laughs> yeah, I think she's got a nimbus over her head, a, a little halo well, that keeps appearing. Well, gentlemen, and if I can tell you too, because my side of the organization is to just to talk about the results, and you, and you hear this Women's Care Center method and this model and this high degree of training that all of our counselors and nurses have, and the bottom line is the bottom line. And more than nine out of 10 of our young mothers ultimately choose life for their babies, either to parent or place for adoption. Now, is I'm, that out of the one-third who comes <clears throat> in abortion-minded, or is that out of everybody who comes in, even the two-thirds who already are not abortion-minded? Uh, out of every client. Well, and I, and I want to be clear that, <clears throat> that far more than a third of our clients are at, at high risk, far, far more. Okay, that it's, yeah. that's, there's a, it's just where are you in, in your decision. It's... Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really prevalent. Well, yes. I, I wanted to ask you some sure. bottom line questions, mm -hmm. Bobby. Sure. And this may 
seem a little out of place, but in reality, we live in a world where you have to have money to get things done. That's right. And they say, God has lots of money. It's just in other people's pockets. <laughs> so if you wanted to look at it this way, maybe you haven't. Maybe I'm the only one with this problem. But if you had to put a dollar amount on how much input it requires to the organization to save a baby, how much would it be? About $1,000. So you have looked at this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so money is important. Well, sure it is because, you know, like any good charity, no money, no mission. I mean, we need, we need funds and resources so we can employ these highly trained professional counselors. And Who nurses. are not paid. Uh, our staff is paid. It, it is professionally uh, – all of our Women's Care Center staff are oh, paid employees. But that's kind of what separates us from a lot of other uh, – dare I say crisis pregnancy centers are not-for-profits because the work that we do is so important and so precise that we need to provide more than 40 hours a week sort of coverage you know, for our clients. And if it's volunteer-driven, you, you can have spotty hours and – Mm. Really, we, we need we need to make sure that every woman who comes through our door gets world class counseling, like Jenny has described, and that's why more than nine of nine out of ten of our clients ultimately choose life for our babies. Well, and those those counselors deserve to be paid. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yes, because we tend to think that only the important things do we pay for, and what could be more important than saving lives? Well, I actually had a gentleman just a couple weeks ago who, when he really did a deep dive into the Women's Care Center model, his eyes lit up and he's like, you guys are providing world-class $200 an hour, like professional counseling to tens of thousands of women every year. And I looked at him, I said, well, yeah, because- (laughs) Of course we are. (laughs) These women deserve it. But the bottom line is, in the last 12 months, 16,053 babies born to Women's Care Center moms nationwide. If you break that down, 365 days, that's 44 babies a day born to Women's Care Center moms. It's just it's just incredible results. That's remarkable. Listeners, if you're just joining us, you're on the Dr. Doctor Show, and we are blessed to have Bobby Williams and Jenny Hunsberger of the Women's Care Center talking about this terrific organization as part of our Respect Life Month of October. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You said $1,000 to save a life. I just know, I don't want to sound like a tel- telethon, but I, <laughs> I, know, I know there are listeners who will give $1,000 to a charity this year, and they probably aren't aware. I could take that $1,000 and quite literally save a child's life. What a great investment. Uh, I don't work for the Women's Care Center, but that's a great investment, it seems to me, a thousand bucks. And we can tell them how to invest it. Where, <laughs> where, where would you go? What is it? Something like womenscarecenter.org? It's actually, uh, friends, you go to <laughs> www.supportwomenscarecenter.org. Uh, support nice. Supportwomenscarecenter.org. And like I tell a lot of folks, because again, I am kind of the uh, professional beggar in the organization, so I give a lot of talks. The beautiful thing about what's happening at the Women's Care Center hundreds of times a day is we're not hoping for a cure. We're not looking for a cure. We have the cure. We have the solution to the nation's most difficult issue. Mm. And that solution to the abortion issue is love. But it's love with significant ongoing support. One of the things I know that like Jenny can talk to is so many times people think that that these women choose life and it just happens in an instant. Or they see an ultrasound and everything's hunky-dory. It is a process and it takes sometimes weeks or months and they go back and forth. But that's why having people like Jenny and our highly trained staff of counselors and nurses walk with these women every step of the way. And that's why our choose life rate is so high. You know, Jenny, with that in mind, maybe you could walk us through uh, after that initial consultation with the counselor, what are the other services and what's the rest of those 40 weeks look like? Sure. And it's it's really, it's 40 weeks and then it's 40 more and 40 more up until <laughs> a little one is about five years old. So uh, what we what we have is what we call a, the our care program. So women will come in initially for a pregnancy test and then we'll have an ultrasound and continue to have that initial care until she's made a confident decision for life and then we continue with her. So she needs to find a good doctor. She needs whatever she needs to work on. Finding a doctor, finding housing, continuing education, whatever it is, we'll work individually with her to ensure that she has the, the resources that she needs to become a great mom. Um, and then we continue with parenting classes 
and and all sorts of programs even after a baby is born to make sure that that we really are not we're not simply here as you say to to support a woman in a decision for life we're here to build families mm-hmm. and to provide sustained care so that so that moms and babies can have truly fantastic lives. That's what we do. Now, I think you've got a pretty unique, um, for lack of a better phrase, retail program with goods. Mm, Tell us do. a little bit about that. So that's our Crip Club store. So what happens is women come in for maybe for parenting classes, for individual programs, and, and when they come in for those, they earn a coupon. And they use the coupon instead of money in our store to buy whatever they want or whatever they need for their baby. The difference in our store, I think, is that everything is new. So so what can happen is that women may not always have the resources to financially buy what they need or what they want for their baby. But by being the best parent that they can be, by by coming in for classes, they earn these, they can earn it. And that's incredibly empowering. Mm. And those women deserve to pick out the most adorable <laughs> new items at our boutique, just like anyone else. It's it's incredible. Well, that's remarkable. What's it look like, Bobby, when you all decide we're going to open a women's care center here in St. Louis or wherever mm-hmm. you're going to open it? How does the organization decide this is the place where we should build one, and then how does that how does that start? Well, that's a great question. Uh, most often, it it comes by invitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, great friends or family or people who see a need in their community or, or a lack of a professional model that we provide, they will reach out to us and say, "Hey, we've got a terrible abortion problem here in Pennsylvania or in Milwaukee or in Chicago or wherever it may be." And then the, one of the very first things we'll do is is we will assess. Um, you know, kind of the situation on the ground. Uh, where is the abortion provider? Uh, are there other life-affirming resources near there? Is there a pro-life model that mirrors ours? But more often than not, there's always a need for additional life-affirming services. I mean, everybody on the side of life is our great friend, and there's always great pro-life you know, friends and neighbors in every community. Mm. But as a friend of mine said once, just as there can never be too many churches in a town, likewise, there can never be too many life-affirming <laughs> resources for young pregnant women in a community. So we see a need. We will identify a great location. And then if the community supports it, we'll come. And that's how we've grown from just a handful of centers just 15, 20 years ago to now 32 locations in 11 states. And by the grace of God, we hope to be in 50 states one day. Well, that was my next question. If we fast forward this movie, uh, is Women's Care Center in all 50 states and, and beyond in some point? Well, I, I guess you'd have to ask God our Father. I mean, <laughs> if he wills it and if the need is there and if the resources are there, if you know Ann Mannion, believe me, uh, she'll be packing her bags because she she wants to help as many women and children as possible. Let you me know, I have a practical question. <clears throat> Once a woman decides she wants to carry her baby, how are you involved in helping set her up with an obstetrician? Well, we we work very closely with obstetricians in every community that we're that we're president. So so if she needs, we will make the phone calls. We will do whatever is needed to make sure that she has that care. And in most states, if they have no money, are they covered by state insurance? Sure. Very good. You know, it's interesting if there are physicians listening, I can tell you my own personal experience in my practice uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, we have what we call the bat phone policy with the Women's Care Center. And (laughs) if that phone rings, we know that it's an abortion-minding patient on the phone, and we might have a chance. So we try to see them not only just that day, but within the hour. But in talking wow. to women's care center uh, staff, I've heard them say they struggle in other places to get that relationship. So I would speak to nurses and physicians, if you're listening, that's some of the most exciting work that we get to do in our office, because then we get a chance to get to know those moms over the course of their 40-week pregnancy. And as we talked about at the beginning of this segment, we get a chance to really taste the fruit you know, of that success when we see the mom back with her baby and we see how excited and happy she is. So if there's a women's care center in your community and you're a, 
uh, health care provider, get involved with them. Pick up the phone and call them because the rewards are just tremendous. As we wind down with the last few minutes of our interview, what else do you want listeners to know about the Women's Care Center? I would say that it's really important that, that people know that, that there is hope, that there is a model for help, that, that life, given the opportunity, life is winning. And, and we, who are doing this work, get to stand and bear witness to love and life. And so there is no reason to be discouraged. There is no reason to think that, that there is no hope. Our communities, communities that I see, communities with women's care centers are growing and, and life is winning because I w- I'll tell you, I was in a, our newest center a couple of days ago and it's this, this unbelievably beautiful building right across the street from the abortion clinic. And, and I was so struck standing in this light, bright building, and there's the noise in the playroom of these children, and all of the counseling rooms were full of moms. And I thought, our community built this place because they love moms, and they love babies, and they think that each woman who comes here is worth it. So... So I think that there is just just tremendous hope and and there is there are great opportunities. Well, yes, Jenny, and if I can piggyback on what she said is, you know, as part of what's been happening here in the last few months in the last year or so, it it's easy to get discouraged when you see especially the abortion laws that are being passed in Illinois and New York and Virginia and so on. It's but what we try to tell our friends and supporters is Double down on what works. Double down what is unconditionally loving, non-judgmental, and what is results-driven. Double down on organizations like ours and others that help thousands of women every day have the opportunity to chew life. They do it in a way that's not political. They do it in a way that is beyond reproach. They do it in a way that works. And so we try to tell folks, uh, turn off your television set and just get involved with organizations, get involved with the Women's Care Center that is helping more women choose life than any other organization in the country. I mean, we are blessed. Well, I think we could probably go on for two or three more shows talking about life. And if there's a take home from this segment, of the, it's the show. It's quoting Jenny when she said, life is winning. So remember that. Thank you so much, uh, Bobby and Jenny from the Women's Care Center for joining us and for helping our listeners understand some of the great work Uh, that's going on. We'd love to have you back on Dr. Doctor. And we'll be right back after a break uh, from Dr. Doctor. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor from the studios of Redeemer Radio. I'm Dr. Chris Stroud with my co-host, Dr. Tom McGovern. Uh, And our next guest uh, comes to us to talk about you might say big things in small packages. (laughs) Yes, indeed, Chris. Or big things in small boxes. Uh, Our next guest is Monica Kelsey, and Monica is the founder and the CEO of Safe Haven Baby Boxes, and that needs a little bit of explanation, and that's exactly what we're going to ask Monica to do. So, Monica, welcome to Dr. Doctor. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're glad that you could spend some time with us and uh, with our listeners. So I think you have to start off and just tell us your story. A lot of our listeners are probably pulled over on the side of the road, and they're wondering, what in the world is a baby box? So you, uh, <laughs> share with us your story and what a baby box is. Yeah, well, you know, you got to go back, uh, Chris, uh, 47 years, back to August of 1972, uh, when abortion was illegal in our country. Um, a 17-year-old girl, she was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And, if, you know, that wasn't the worst of it. Six weeks later, she finds out she's pregnant. And um, uh, she carries this child to term and then it gives birth in April of 1973 and then abandoned her child two hours after that child was born and that mm. child was me. So I have a personal what? connection with <laughs> wow. the entire thing. And you really have to kind of go back to kind of know the passion and the drive that, that 
comes with this. So, well, Monica, I feel like we should probably just pause for a moment of silence <laughs> out of respect. Wow. That is, I mean, that what a remarkable yes. just uh, story to begin your life with. Uh, and how remarkable that these years later you'd have a chance to, to maybe uh, change a lot of lives. So, uh, so pick up the story. So uh, keep going. Well, I, um, I I got to meet my biological mother when I was 37 and, and kind of learning her circumstances and how critical it was when she was pregnant and didn't have any resources back then really put me on the path to where I'm at today. So I was in South Africa and I seen a what they called a baby safe in South Africa. Hmm. And I was like, what is this and what is it used for? And they said, well, women come here at night, they place their child in this baby safe and then they walk away, no questions asked. And I was like, does this really work? And they had saved seven babies that year, and it was the only box in Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. And so I was like, wow. Um, so I come back to the States, and I'm a firefighter and a medic out of uh, Woodburn. <laughs> of course and, you uh, are. Of course. That only <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so, well, it, it, just to throw you guys both off, my husband's the mayor, so <laughs> there's many layers to us. <laughs> By any chance, do you tend to wear a red cape with uh, a big red S on your chest? <laughs> Only on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw this uh, this baby safe in Cape Town, and you said, hey, that's a great idea. What happened after that? Yeah, well, I came back to the States, and I'm like, why isn't it here? You know, we find in America between between 50 uh, or 150 babies to 200 babies every single year just dumped in our country. This morning, uh, we posted online, there was a baby that was five hours old. Um, abandoned on the doorstep of somebody's home in Atlanta this morning at 5 a.m. Mm. And so we find these cases day after day after day, and you got to ask yourself, why aren't these women going to safe haven locations, which has been around for 20 years where they walk into a fire station or a, a hospital and hand their child to a person? And when you really dig deep, you, you find out that these women, it's not that these women don't love their child, they, they do. They just don't know how... Um, you know, the, the crisis that they're in, how to get out of it. And so I, on my way back from Cape Town, South Africa, I hand drew a baby box, came back to the States, paid somebody $700 to build me the first prototype. And now I've got, uh, I'm on prototype number 24 with 15 boxes across five states. Which wow. states are they in, Monica? Uh, right now we're in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Arkansas, and Arizona. And where are they physically located so that the baby can be found quickly and safely? Um, we do manned fire stations and we do um, hospitals. And I'll tell you, the average time a baby is in our boxes because they're alarm activated, they're heated and they're cooled, so depending on where the box is located um, and what time of year it is, um, is, is a big big um, task for these boxes to make sure that this baby is comfortable. Um, but the average time for the babies in the in these boxes is only two and a half minutes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So a mom, yeah, she walks up, places her child in the box. All the alarms go off. There's three alarms on these boxes. Um, and these babies are picked up. The soonest the baby was picked up was 90 seconds. <laughs> so it, it, it's pretty remarkable how our engineers have really worked hard to make sure that these boxes are as safe as possible for these newborns. Wow. And um, and these moms um, feel at ease for choosing the right choice for them. So, uh, Monica, this sounds like a great idea. I, don't, I can't imagine anybody disagreeing with you. So I'm guessing that you installing baby boxes has been pretty easy and pretty smooth, and people just accept you with open arms. <laughs> well, I wish it was that easy, but anytime you do, anytime you do God's work... <laughs> The devil will attack at every corner, and, so, and we're no exception to that. So, what um, is you know, uh, what are your what are your obstacles? Who who and why would resist this idea of saving a baby like this? The biggest um, the biggest uh, argument against our boxes is um, they want you know people want women to walk into these facilities so they can offer medical care. Mm. Um, they you know they want these these babies to be found, hmm. but they're old enough to know if their body is in is in trouble you know so some women don't want to walk in and and look somebody in the eye and talk to somebody sure. and forcing a woman to walk in just so you can offer her medical care is going to turn this woman around in an instant mm. and some state laws don't even require the mother to hand the child to a person at a fire station or a hospital it can be any responsible adult mm. 
so that is the biggest um, hurdle that I, I get over. And, and, you know, we've had 58 women in three years come through our program. So and, would you um, say that the, the advantage is you're providing an anonymous alternative for the, the mom in crisis? She doesn't have to see a person. She doesn't have to feel like she's being judged. She can put her baby in a safe place and be gone. Is that is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. And her life goes on. Hmm. And 58, you said, in three years. Is that nationwide? Yeah, well, it's multiple states. Now, we're only in five states, but we get calls from every state in this country. Um, We had a baby on Thanksgiving Day in New York City where this woman called us wanting a box. Well, there's no boxes in New York yet. So we had to walk alongside her as she walked to this fire station and surrendered her child to a person. But we give them the... The, the correct information for their state. So if we're not in their state with boxes yet, we tell them what they need to do to make sure that they're safe, their child's safe, and that they're not prosecuted for doing something wrong. So you have wow. a 24-hour helpline available? How do they yep, c- we do have a 24-hour. And that number is? Um, it's one eight six six nine nine baby one If you go to our website, shbb.org, you can click on it and it will dial from your smartphone. There's also a website. You can contact us. You can also text that 800 number as well. So 866-99-BABY, the number one, or www.shbb for safehavenbabybox.org. Is that correct? You got it. You, wow. Are I, you, do you have interest from other states in putting these in? We, we do. We're working with multiple states right now to implement the Baby Box program. We have to change the law in every state because every safe haven law says you have to hand the child to a person. Oh. So we're changing the laws in all these states. And in the meantime, we're also educating, doing awareness. We've got billboards up. Indiana, I mean, we're, we're our home state is Indiana. And just in 2019, just this year, we've had six babies oh, surrendered beautiful. under the safe haven law. And we're not even through the, the year yet. Wow. So, and the the big thing is, is we've had zero dead babies in the state of Indiana. That's remarkable. So, so Monica, in the, through, in the time that we've got left, what what would you want listeners to know? What's the greatest misconception that you could you could write uh, for our listeners? What would you like to to leave them with about baby boxes? They, you know, if some woman that need needs someone to talk to or just needs help. We will not judge you. We will help you. We love you. And we will walk alongside you to make sure that you make a good choice for you and you make a good choice for your baby. Um, That is what we're all about. It's not just putting boxes in buildings and, and directing women to boxes. It is walking alongside them like my birth mother did not have back in 1972. Monica, this is just astounding. I can tell you're a wonderful spokesperson for what you're doing. We pray that this uh, spreads throughout the country to save more babies. Thank you very much for being with us here on Dr. Doctor today. Hey, thank you guys so much for having us. And we'll be back with our last segment after the break. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor. I know most of you are anxiously awaiting the answer to this show's trivia question. So, Tom, you've got some pregnancy questions that you're going to quiz us on. Just one, actually. If a doctor tells a pregnant woman that her baby measures a size that fits 14 weeks gestational age, how long ago did conception of that baby most likely occur, and how many weeks has it been since conception. Ooh, ooh, I know the answer. I I hope you do. Go ahead and explain it, Chris. It's not 14 weeks. It's not that? 14 weeks. <laughs> it it would have So, you know, the question, how long ago did conception most likely occur? About about 12 weeks. Well, 2 weeks ago for conception. Correct. So the baby has actually been in existence for 12 weeks. So when we say a baby's heart rate starts at what what age? You know, we're able to detect it easily around four to five weeks. Four to five weeks of? That's, this is what's so confusing. We yes. call that menstrual dating. We date a pregnancy traditionally, internationally, from the first day uh, of the woman's last menstrual period. When conception did not occur. Right. So when we say that she's four weeks pregnant, the baby has been in existence about two weeks. So 
at four to five weeks? You're saying two weeks after conception? That's right. With ultrasound, we can detect heartbeats. That pretty is re- pretty reliably. incredible. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And it's a sign of the technology. But it, it's, it's a source of confusion for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, you know, I said earlier that I had a story. I was explaining this, uh, trying to work backwards with a young woman and her husband. <laughs> uh, and she said, so when did... When was the baby conceived? And I said, well, that's easy. We'll just do the math. And I gave them a date. You could have heard a pin drop in the room. (laughs) And after what felt like hours of silence, I'm sure it was just a few seconds, the husband says, but I was stationed in Afghanistan then. (laughs) And I had to quickly remember that I was talking about embryologic age versus menstrual age. And then what happened? Then we were all smiles. Yay. (laughs) Uh, But that's what we do. Traditionally, we date pregnancies in America, in the world, I should say, based on the last menstrual period, even though um, that... The baby didn't exist on the first day of the last menstrual period. It's just the way we do it. And speaking of babies, Chris, what are your big takeaways from our wonderful interviews tonight? Babies. You know, wow. Um, what a great series of guests that we had on today's show. I mean, you know, we with Jenny Hunsberger and Bobby Williams from the Women's Care Center. I mean, I, I think the takeaway for me from that segment was uh, Jenny kept referring to love. And uh, I think our listeners could probably hear in her voice it was sort of just dripping with love. You could tell that she really cares about these women in crisis. Uh, and that idea that love wins, doesn't it? <laughs> Quite yes, literally. Yes, it does. Uh, in this case. And that clearly motivates Monica. I mean, she was, you know, given birth in love in a very difficult situation. And now she's paying it forward. Oh, yeah. And, and the biggest, most practical way possible by literally saving babies' lives. I'll tell you the other thing that I, I took away from that was, you just don't hear these stories in the mainstream media, do you? That's why we're here, You've got to listen to Dr. Doctor to hear stuff and this And so thank good. you for listening to yet another episode of Dr. Doctor, the official radio program and podcast of the Catholic Medical Association, brought to you from the studios of Redeemer Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Please share the good news of Dr. Doctor with a friend and invite him or her to listen on iTunes or Google Play Podcasts. And be sure to rate us when you're there, because that helps us get Amen. more listeners. And be sure to Tune in next week for your appointment with Dr. Doctor. This is Dr. Tom McGovern. And I'm Dr. Chris Stroud, signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association, whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host or the Catholic Medical Association. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your question to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at RedeemerRadio.com doctor where you can also find all our past episodes. Keep up with the latest from Dr. Doctor by subscribing in your favorite podcast app or by following us on Facebook at Dr. Doctor Show.